0: Okay and we're recording.
1: Okay hi Mary. Hi Sarah. Hi how was how are you and how was your LFF?
0: I'm well thank you. Yeah LFF was um, a really interesting period because it was so busy and had a lot of teaching going on Mm -hmm. and I was actually looking at a lot of titles um, kind of vying for a lot of them but not being able to see things, you could do the scheduling issues. So basically, I've got loads of titles that... Um, it's a really kind of great navigational tool because there's so many titles that I know will get released soon and we will get to them, both of us, eventually. But I was just aiming for the ones that I thought maybe wouldn't get a release. How about you? Yeah, that's,
1: that's really wise. I think that, um, yeah, this, uh, this was our first year doing LFF for the podcast and I yeah. think it was quite a learning curve for both of us um so next time I think we'll make a lot more time to see a lot more things together absolutely but now this year we've kind of got a thing where we ended up going and seeing all of the opposite things yeah. and we saw I think one of the same film
0: I think so yeah yeah
1: so we can just tell each other about about what what there was um uh, but I think I ended up seeing a lot more of things that would actually get to be released right um there were times when I was sort of queuing for one thing and then I lost confidence in my choice and queued for the other thing instead, oh, yeah, yeah, and wish I hadn't done that um it happened with um destroyer oh yeah and uh the breaker operas oh my which, god yeah, yeah i wanted to see that one i really one. wanted to see the breaker operas and then uh, sort of this older film critic guy next to me was like well it's gonna be on netflix and it's not very good and oh, no. then i went to see destroyer which actually wasn't great
0: really um, oh that's interesting yes. so destroyer um, is the karen kusama one right
1: Yes, it is. And I mean, not great is, you know, I mean, it's not great for Karen Kasama. So it's perfectly Mm. good. You know, it's just that she creates, you know, like, I just think The Invitation is just incredible. It is. I love The Invitation. I I don't think anything, I think The Invitation is actually one of those films where nothing will ever live up to it because it's unique
0: and there's nothing
1: else (laughs) like it. Um, And I think there was a lot in Destroyer that I liked, but... Mm. My main criticism of Destroyer, which is a very shallow one, is that Nicole Kidman has this makeup on, which makes her look um, sort of like she's really been through the, you know, been through it, and she's aged due mm. to, a, you know, a stressful situation. Mm. It's basically a story of uh, a female policewoman, a, a, which uh, there are a lot of those in the in the festival actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, she, so the, her, she's sort of pursuing a murderer. I suppose, or she's sort of pursuing a mystery, and then she flashes back to her experiences beforehand. Okay. And it was very interesting and very good, and Nicole Kidman's fabulous in it, but I felt like there was kind of a lack of I don't know, anything really visually to enjoy to the extent where you got these close-ups on Nicole Kidman's face as she's driving, and you get them sort of six or seven times throughout the film. And in the end, I just got so tired of staring at Nicole Kidman's oh, like makeup okay. raccoon face. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Are they kind it of just, just long takes?
1: They're long, long takes, and oh, there's just so many of them. God. I mean, when you see it, you'll—I think you'll understand. I just—it sure. was just a point where I was just like, film something else, just anything else, because you know, because Nicole Kidman, her face doesn't move as well because she's so like at the end of her tether. That's
0: right. And she's
1: so you know she's just communicating she's I guess that she sort of feels nothing and you know she responds to nothing and there's nothing really that is that will make her it looks like there's no thoughts really passing through her head she's just had it it's just the end for her yeah but because she doesn't move her face there's just this (laughs) like excruciatingly long take of Nicole Kidman looking like she has a lot of st- like stage makeup on
0: oh no it's Basically. not quite it's not the desired effect that you kind of would want
1: it's really not there's actually the, it kind of followed this theme because i also saw nancy
0: right um, that's another one i really was, wanted to see and i didn't see yeah, it yeah
1: i thought i think i went to six i thought you were going to see it but you didn't end up seeing it no. but i think that will come out as well i think it and will and that was brilliant, but at the same in the same way, Andrea is it Andrea Reesborough? That's right. Um, has this hair, <laughs> which <laughs> is is supposed to sort of convey her sort of her chaotic inner life. I think it's supposed to sort of convey that she's you know that she feels that she is neglected and that she neglects herself. Sure. And, you know, she had a disconnection, but it is hair that no one would put up with if it was on their head. You know, it's just like this strange, oh, like, scarecrow so wig of hair. And oh it prevented God. me from being able to concentrate. Because oh, no. If <laughs> you had that hair, I know these are all really shallow things. No, no, I, no, I completely
0: like understand.
1: Sort of really overt makeup, hair and makeup choices that are supposed to be sort of communicating something about a character and end up overwhelming a character's performance because... is it too distracting they're so (laughs) distracting I was just like no one no one would put up with it doesn't matter in what state you are you you would put it in a ponytail (laughs) you would you would just do something with it you wouldn't and there's sort of scenes of her cutting it so she's sort of maintaining this this kind of crazy hair which she just I don't know she doesn't like you know she doesn't change it doesn't try to grow it out she doesn't try to she doesn't try to sort no of it out of first place. <laughs> she just lives with it, sitting on her head, and it's really strange. Maybe it oh was, maybe it was a really
0: good choice because it just sort of conveyed how bizarre a person she was. Because I have just, just on the kind of on that note, it, it's just so funny to me because it's such a funny observation because I totally relate. Um, because Andrea Riseborough is also in Mandy, which I'll, I'll get to later, oh, but I damn. just, I just wanted to point out that when. Whoever was styling her hair for Nancy, I think came came along came on board as well for Mandy because her hair and Mandy was equally distracting. Like I couldn't take it seriously at all, and I kept every time she appeared on stage on on the screen, I was like, "There's something really not right about this hair hairdo. Like it just doesn't."
1: <laughs> How funny! It's so- it's so important. I, I think, think so. especially today. I think, especially <laughs> sort of today, when we're all so conscious of hair and makeup. Yeah. You know? It's not like, it's not a mystifying thing anymore. It's something we all know how to do. Yeah. It's something that really sort of democratized.
0: Yeah. We got so the YouTube you, tutorials. You know? Exactly. And I
1: know like how much you love YouTube tutorials. Oh yeah. So, and it does, it does kind of change and it does change the way our sort of intelligence about that kind of thing. Exactly. So when you see it done wrong, it really gets to you. Yeah. That's um, so true. These are films that I thought both had really interesting things in them. Sure. I thought they were, I thought they were both good, I, just, I i didn't think the story was as good as um as the invitation what is nancy about it good. so it is about um sorry nancy
0: yeah nancy
1: nancy is really is a really interesting story it's about a um it's about a girl who sees the sort of what do you call it like the you know the when they kidnap children or the, kids, oh, yeah. the children get kidnapped and then they make a sort of mock-up of what they might look like today sure what is i don't know what that's called
0: oh yeah um, yeah yeah i know so you mean like uh if the child goes missing they kind of they, there's a, like an artist who imagines how their face might have changed over over exactly. the years uh, yeah so, I, know, I don't know what yeah. it's called either but i know what you mean yeah
1: she sees one of these on television her um oh. her mother has has just died. She kind of lives in this sort of strange kind of codependent situation with her sick mother yeah um doing sort of temp jobs and sort of early on in the film, it's sort of established that she that she lies to get attention, yeah she creates these really unbelievable scenarios and is actually very convincing in them. Okay. Um, So she tells some work colleagues that she just went to North Korea on holiday. Okay. And one of them is like, well, um, I don't think Americans can go there. No. And she's like, no, no, and she shows them these like poorly photoshopped images of herself in Korea. Oh my god! Um, in sort of in front of Korean like landmarks, <laughs> and this guy goes, well, "My wife is actually Korean, and she still manages just to kind of convince him with just her, uh, sort of, you know, her, her." <laughs> I don't know, it's just this really amazing... It's just she's just sure of herself. She's a brilliant, you know, this brilliant liar. So she's kind um,
0: of like an unreliable narrator in a sense.
1: She is. She's extremely unreliable narrator. Okay. And because of that, you... Even though there's... That's a really interesting scene for establishing the rest of the film. Mm. Because what happens in the rest of the film is this fairly unbelievable thing. She sees this image of this girl who looks a lot like her. Yeah, And contacts the parents and says, I think that my mother kidnapped me and ran your daughter. And okay. then the rest of the film is her with these parents. Um, I think that scene really establishes the relationship the film has with the audience, because although there is this, this setup that y- you are led to believe is a, is a lie, is another lie, it becomes more convincing as you go, as you sort of go with her on this, through this film, yeah. And you become confused about whether, what she believes and what the parents believe and what you're supposed to believe. Wow. Basically, so it's a very, very interesting film about being a fraud. and yeah. About why we why we believe it imposters, basically. Um, and the director, who is called Christina Cho. Yeah. It's her first film, and she was there. Um with uh and it was this really just this amazing group. It was uh it was Christina Cho and uh Andrew was there. Yeah. And uh loads of the producers, including Barbara Broccoli
0: Mm. were
1: also there and uh the I think the some the guy who did the score, but it was mainly a load of women dressed in these like Christina Cho had this amazing the gold dress on, and Andrew Eisborough was sort of had this bleach blonde hair and this white dress on and everyone just looked glowing. <laughs> wow. And they'd brought this large group of mainly women in order to kind of make a bit of a statement about Time's Up
0: oh, about I see. you know,
1: making films with and the film was made with largely female crew. Okay. Um, a lot of people of colour that sort of thing. And that kind of that was sort of really what their appearance there was about. Wow. And it was just this like electric glowing scene of like all of these women oh, having God. this amazing time working together. And obvious, so I don't know, just sort of obviously having really enjoyed the process of making this film.
0: That sounds um, so positive.
1: It was so positive. It was so interesting and, and inspiring. I was I was really impressed.
0: That sounds really, really good. I mean, yeah. in a way, it's like, yeah, this is the thing. It's it's nice to see um, these new platforms being created for uh, people who really haven't been represented at all equally in the film industry. And th- for ourselves, I mean, we're cinephiles and, we, you know, we're, we're working in the film industry, we're, tr- we're we're content creators. And it's, yeah, it's really reassuring that these kind of you know practical actions are being taken to give that representation because it's long overdue really
1: it is hugely overdue and it does it does make such a difference it's so absolutely inspiring. there were so many female directors out talking to the audience in yeah. this festival and it makes you feel it just makes i don't know i don't think i've ever felt more inspired to create things that's
0: amazing than
1: in these last two weeks there was um so christina cho was one of them carol morley came to speak after out of Blue. yeah That everyone kind of felt a little bit off kilter in that film in the same way they do in the falling um
0: oh, yeah. yeah
1: and it did say at the end thanks or something it said sort of i can't remember exactly what the words wording was but it was thanks for the inspiration to nick rogue Oh, really? Yeah.
0: Oh, my God.
1: Which I thought was a really... I don't know. I that's so I mean, cool. I love Nicholas Roeg. I know. It's brilliant. But I don't always stay and watch credits. But I don't know if very many directors cite other directors as, as inspirations in their actual credits to their film, which I thought was really interesting.
0: Wow. That's very, very promising to, for me to hear that um, Out of Blue was inspired by Nick Roeg's films because... I mean somebody told me that it's it has a very kind of disorienting style like it's very it does. there's very um, abstract and so right away actually um you mentioning the link with Nick Rogue. I'm, al- I'm already thinking of uh bad timing um which uh, have you seen that by the way it's I think you would re-
1: the one with um art garfunkel yeah yes i love that film me
0: too i love it i actually love art
1: garfunkel's uh, 70s period of acting he's yeah a
0: big fan. <laughs> he's a pretty good little actor isn't he like he's a great
1: actor he's
0: yeah he's a, a good performer actor. yeah, yeah. <laughs> actually now you've said that it makes me want to stay longer to watch the credits roll and just kind of find out yeah. these details because have- i'm one of those people that too often, I do rush out when you know when the film is finished. Um, yeah. but actually, yeah, it, sometimes I'm it pays with to. Watching the credits. Yeah, it's, it's
1: worth it. It, it really is worth is. it. Yeah. I think I did it on most things. Oh, good. And there was there was sort of this. I mean, what with, with mm. this, I think Nancy, Out of Blue, and Cam, there was this sort of mm. overriding theme of women without men or without um without a loving a male love interest. Okay. Um, which i found really interesting there yeah. was just no films with no like no romantic story or no yeah so yeah there was i don't know it was just a really inspiring year i think and i suppose partly because they did make you know so many of those films they choose so many films by female directors that's I think fantastic
0: it really does make a difference. that's fine. and long may continue and we want to see more and more um, you know, female screenwriters, cinematographers, editors, you know, the whole gamut of the filmmaking process.
1: Yeah, it, it definitely, it's, it's really exciting to see.
0: Yeah. But that's not to say that
1: there weren't some great male directed
0: films. Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely.
1: I saw the new Ben Wheatley, which was, uh, called Happy New Year, Colin Burstead. Yeah. And, um, it made me cry because it just, it got to me really badly. Mm. Um, there was something about... It was just this incredible ensemble cast and it had a sort of like Mike Lee-ish set of a party in which things are just bound to go horribly wrong. Yeah. Um, it has a sort of a family... Uh, the brother and family stages this sort of quite elaborate New Year party for the family in this country estate of a lord who's very funny. And... Uh, there and then, one of the sisters goes and invites this black sheep of the family. It's brother's brother, played by Sam Riley,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, who was very—I didn't even recognize him in the first sort of ten minutes of him being on screen. Yeah, um, who was sort of caused immense hurt to several people in the family, um, notably his ex-wife, who is who isn't warned of his arrival. Oh yeah, um, and it was just—it was so upsetting was oh so. God sort of it really really got to me and i think it partly got to me because i felt like the scapegoat of the film was a person that i really liked um and it reminded me in that sense if not in any other sense really but of the wicker man
0: oh yes yeah where
1: i've been listening to um the evolution of horror folk folk horror series yeah and i feel like every time we took anyone talks about the wicker man the main character, the Edward Woodward character, yeah, is sort of thought is kind of despised, yeah, for his you know his for his sort of stance. And I've always really liked that character, okay, because he just wants to be a good detective and to <laughs> do the right thing. And everyone kind of laughs at him. And I felt like there was a similar thing going on uh, in yeah. this in this Ben Wheatley film where I really liked the character that everyone else that ended up kind of being disliked by everyone else. Um, I don't know what that says about me. I think maybe I'm
0: not very (laughs) (laughs) likable. Oh, well, that's definitely not true. (laughs) But it's so funny because actually thinking back, um, I think I called that character in in Wicker Man, I think I said he was like a cop in your head.
1: (laughs) A cop in your head? Explain that.
0: Just because he's like, you know, he's stumbling onto this kind of obviously very... Uh, let's say alternative lifestyle uh-huh. and he's yes you're right like he is doing he's only doing his job and he is trying to you know construct a narrative and 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 he's conducting his detective work and everything. Um, but it's just the scene where he's inside the actual wicker man <laughs> and then like they set it alight and the yeah. fact that he is literally in the you know like he's inside this this structure and it like is set ablaze. It just made me think of like, I thought it was a, a good, a nice kind of image of what you need to do to kill the cop in your head, like your superego trying to like get on your case and oppress oh, God, you. That's so interesting. <laughs> that's how I read it, but only because, um, I don't know, it was just such a kind of striking imagery, you know.
1: <laughs> so maybe I'm very obedient to the superego.
0: Oh, bless you. I don't think Am you I? are. <laughs> <laughs> I, I uh, I'm doubt really that. Interested in
1: what, you, what you have to say, I, you have to see all of these films. By the way, I
0: need to see this. Actually, I did wow. want to see the Ben Wheatley film, and when it gets released, I'll definitely be on that one because I, I like the sound that you, you know, it's the sound of, of the fact that you you said it's very moving. It, it, it really, uh, you had a, a strong emotional re- response to it. That that for me, that's something very appealing in his films because I I find um, he he achieves that in such an unorthodox way like he doesn't use the usual any kind of sentimental tropes or anything but he does he is able to achieve um pure emotion really
1: Well I have to say that it's a very sentimental trope in it. Okay. Um in the sort of closing few minutes. Oh yeah. Um it's a a song basically. Oh um, really. Uh, and it's so upsetting.
0: Oh <laughs> like, my gosh.
1: <laughs> so moving and just very very in this very awkward English way Um, and uh, yeah so it is actually a very sentimental film but you're not without not with any it was you know there's a lot of it's very sentimental in in a very English way in which everyone is like sort of 90% being cynical and comedic but you know there is that sort of 10% (laughs) of pure pure sentiment
0: oh that's lovely that actually sounds really lovely
1: yeah, it is really <laughs> lovely. It was one of my favourites. Oh, I saw it very early on. Yeah? Uh, on the first day that I went, but it was one of my favourites.
0: Oh, that sounds really nice.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of the last couple I saw. Oh, Sorry to Bother You.
0: Oh, yes. Of course. Yeah. yeah. That was
1: incredible. That was so much more than I thought it would be. Um, It was very much a... It was. It got so surreal. It has sort of several steps into sort of surrealness wow. um, it's got these it sort of starts off with this sort of fairly straightforward story of a of a guy trying to get a job. yeah um and there are just little hints of what it's going to be. like his his girlfriend is this incredible character who's an artist mm. and she has there's all of these sort of moments all these kind of parts of the film are punctuated by someone saying to her, nice earrings and she's got these earrings that she's made these sort of like these various different earrings across the across the course of the film (laughs) which are sort of her art and her protest
0: wow and
1: they kind of they sort of update themselves throughout the film um which is this really this really nice marker of sort of it's almost like when Lars von Trier or Gaspar Noé does those sort of title cards for oh, different yeah. parts of yeah. his film. Okay. I would say it's like that. Like Every time a character does nice <laughs> earrings, you get these uh, these close-ups of her earrings. Which are <laughs> often, they're often words. Um, or sometimes they're just sort of symbols. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I kind of assume that they've been used in that similar way. Yeah. I couldn't think of another reason why that, that sequence keeps being repeated. Um, and it, there is a lot about racism yeah hugely there's I mean it's it's hugely story of a guy who gets a job in a call center and discovers that he can make more much more money using what is referred to as a white voice
0: yeah yeah, that's right yeah
1: and there is this really interesting scene where sort of a white voice is explained to him and he said it's not your it's not your your you know geek voice it's your voice it's the voice that you use when you don't have any problems but as it goes on, it kind of becomes this very kind of classical Hollywood story of corruption. Yeah. About a, someone who neglects the greater good in favour of their own, of you know, of of, of their own gain. Yeah. Basically, and it it was so it, it stopped being. I mean, it, it still was very much a film about racism, but it stopped being just more well, not just a film about racism because that's a very important film, and became a film that speaks to. All of us and our individualism, I suppose. Because which it, I think is yeah, that's kind of yeah is a very is a very kind of apt and present thing. It's very. I think it's very hard for us all to unite and look after a group when we've got when we've all got our own personal struggles. Yeah. So so badly, I suppose.
0: Um, because so it's, it's it described feel as a. <laughs> It's described as an absurdist, dark comedy. And I know that it's it has a very, it's sort of an indictment on uh, the kind of capitalist economic model. and yes. And ultimately, he has to kind of choose between making money at the expense of humanity. Um, Hugely
1: at the expense of humanity. It becomes, it, as it gets on, as it sort of goes on in parts, it becomes wow. more and more kind of cartoonish, but okay. sort of, but not as close, as far away from reality as sure. you'd like to think. <laughs> wow! So you know, it sort of starts to deal in slave labor, and then it starts to deal in
0: interesting—in
1: um, just the disposability of human life, and it's, it's, and it never stops being funny. It's always very funny. Wow! Um, but it is—it did make me feel—I don't know—it did make me feel very guilty <laughs> in all sorts <laughs> of ways, which I think it's supposed to, and it—it it was really effective yeah. in that way.
0: Because the alternative is joining his activist friends to organize labor. So it's kind of showing this this alternative uh, sort of option that's available to people that there's a kind of more socialist uh, approach that can be taken up in a sense.
1: Yeah. And there is this character whose entire life is devoted to sort of wandering around, not wandering around, but going from workplace to workplace and setting
0: up unions ah, okay. and organizing strikes. Right.
1: And then there's this sort of middle ground of this of this character of his girlfriend, which who is an artist and who sort of makes her her sort of her activism is still in this very kind of individualized thing. Yeah. Um, and it's still it's still very much um her livelihood. Sort of, yeah, it's her. Yeah, it is. It's her livelihood, but it's also her. It's also her protest. She's sort of found this middle ground between the two extremes, I suppose.
0: It's kind of like almost saying that, um, you know, you can still pursue your individual interests um, through maybe creativity and then you can still access the means of survival and not sell out to working Uh, at a job you hate. You can still be creative and represent yourself authentically through your work. Yeah. Um, well,
1: I suppose the thing is, she does work at a job she hates. She's a uh, fine twirler. Okay. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. That's which so she, funny. Which she does. Which actually, she does in this incredibly like athletic, sort wow. of balletic way. Um, but it's still a job that <laughs> sure. she hates. Okay. Um, and then she starts working in the call center as well. Okay. Um, so I think it is just about compromise, I suppose. Sure. Um, but it did. It definitely did make me think about, um. I don't know, just the way that we are all pressured to be promoting ourselves all the time and to be working in our own. Yeah. I mean, I suppose, um, you know, I've had a a conversation with my dad about the 70s versus now Mm. and, you know, the sort of ways that you can be, uh, you can um, sort of manage. And, you know, it was easier to be on the dole. It was easier to, you could afford somewhere to live. It was a very nice place to live. But at the same time I was you know, I said that we have, kind of have this pressure of success and he said there's just there was just no there was just not the same concept of success. Ah, uh, I see. You know, like if you were a successful business person or, you know, a famous something, you kinda of thought it was a bit of twat. <laughs> you know, like everyone was just normal.
0: Okay. And
1: I do it did kind of make me I think that there is this sort of in our in this time, yeah, there is this need for very very extreme success yeah to be known and to be respected and to be making a lot of money that's true that is sort of taking over our ability to think of the common good yeah
0: yeah yeah Yeah, and it's kind of like it's this really inflated inflated sense of recognition so even if you like even if you are making a, a perfectly you know reasonable living and um you know doing something that means something to you and you're good at it and and that's all fine. If you're not shouting about it on social media and if you don't have a large following or whatever it is, it can still be interpreted as you're kind of in an obscure, obscure space. Yeah,
1: you are. There's this pressure. Yeah, exactly. Your your brand is not being celebrated as much as someone else's brand. Right. Um... So I mean I think that sorry to bother you I hope it will come out here and I, hope it, so too. I think it will it will it's just one of those films that you could just talk about forever because um, it brings up so much
0: Well it's done very well um, at the box office in America it was on a very small budget about 3 million and it's made over 17 million over there Oh my god that's amazing
1: Well that... I, I predict it will do the same thing here then Yeah
0: That's really yeah. good that's that's a really good sign um for you know a good kind of indication that we can look forward to more things by Boots Riley he sounds amazing
1: yeah I think he and his I mean there's there's so much more to it like his visual style his kind of absurdist yeah, strange um, just very very strange style oh. all of his little details all of his sort of different realities all really interesting amazing.
0: Um,
1: so yeah there's loads there I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing more um, yeah. and then finally the favorite
0: ah oh, yes so, you, so did you go to the, scre- uh, the press screening for that one? I went to the press screening, yeah. Okay. It was like just queues around, the, oh around Leicester Square
1: for it. But luckily they were showing sort of
0: three screenings at the same time. Okay. So they
1: just sort of herded people into the cinema. <laughs> um, and that was one of my favorites. And it's amazing. Really? And I don't think I should say too much about it because I think we should review it when it comes oh, out. Oh, that sounds great. It. So you yeah, really everyone's loved it. so good. It's incredible.
0: Oh, I'm so looking forward to seeing that. It mm. looks superb.
1: Yeah, it's really, really
0: good. Yeah, I mean, the trailer um, looks amazing.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's 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 just, it's probably my favourite one of his. Wow. Um, it's, it's I just absolutely loved it.
0: It was just,
1: it was completely wonderful from start to finish. I have nothing bad to say about it.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's perfect.
1: Yeah, it was really good. So <laughs> tell me about your LFF. What did you see? Um,
0: it was a bit of a mixed bag for me. Um, mm-hmm. I have a... Uh, in the end, the things I saw a couple of things that I really loved. Um, maybe I'll finish off with those ones, and then, so to, to end on a positive note. Yeah, I had some really high expectations going in. It bears mentioning that. Uh, so the okay. first one I saw in the festival was Mandy. So Mandy is the film is the second feature from the uh, Italian Canadian film director panos cosmatos Uh his first film was called beyond the black rainbow which admittedly i did not see so i didn't know going into mandy what his style was and what his kind of frame of reference is and stuff i saw the trailer for mandy and i was completely spellbound by it. it it was so stunning i mean it was dazzling um Unfortunately, I cannot say the same about the feature film, and i joked uh, I think I joked with you that um whoever made whoever directed the trailer, I hope will go on to make a feature film because that's the vision I want to see realized because the actual film <laughs> which is an action horror film, um which you know i mean i'm I'm a huge horror fan, so i'm I thought I was like the target audience for something like this. Um, but I, it didn't it sort of left me really cold. Um I'll start with some of the things I loved about it, which I did like the casting very much. Like it was a good uh-huh. it was a good cast. Nicholas Cage, Andrew Risborough, um, you know, they're really great. And they are great performers in it. And there's no doubt there's no doubting that. It's just that um and I mean I love the I love the color scheme. I love the it's very highly stylized. Um it's it is very original. Um, so those I can definitely praise. And also the, the film score is also truly gorgeous, uh, um, by the Icelandic composer, Johan Johansson, who unfortunately died this year. Um, it is a truly beautiful soundtrack and it's sort of set very much. It's set in the year 1983. So it's very eighties. It has that kind of eighties horror film look and feel to Uh it. So it feels very kind of nostalgic, uh, I guess harking back to that period and stuff and what it is. I mean, I'm not going to give too much away because I'm sure a lot of listeners will want to watch Mandy and, you know, maybe, I mean, I think it's, it's it's a bit of a divisive film. People either loved it or didn't like it very much at all. But the gist of it is that Nicholas Cage, um, he plays this character who lives with his girlfriend called Mandy. She's an artist and um, they live in a cabin near a lake and he's a, he works as a logger um, and she has a day job as well. She works as a, as a cashier. And then um, the start of the film, it's just sort of showing their life together. And then what happens is she's, she's sort of abducted by this group of people. It's hard to kind of describe really what they are and I won't reveal too much about them. Uh-huh. But they're kind of like, yeah, I guess they're just a gang of criminals. There is a really beautiful scene kind of right at the start where she gets abducted and and she's she's um she's given like they force her to take uh, LSD. And it's very trippy, like the way that whole s- sequence is filmed is quite mesmerizing uh-huh. It's quite gratifying to see it on the screen. Um but then it just starts to get a bit I don't know, OTT <laughs> like because something happens and then it just becomes like a revenge film basically. Um uh, which I don't want to give too much away at this stage, but and Nicolas Cage takes on this very I, I don't know, almost just cartoonish persona at that point and i just couldn't take it seriously i didn't find uh. it i didn't find it scary i didn't find it interesting i was bored and i thought that at the screening that i was at there there were people laughing in parts where i'm sure it was not intended to be funny and it had more of a feel as if i was at the Tr- prince charles cinema and they were kind of ironically playing some 80s movie or something that's kind of how it felt to me a major apologies to anyone who really loved it and panas if you're listening sorry i don't don't mean to throw shade at you (laughs) i'm sure he's not listening but the point is um i didn't enjoy mandy in the end i just i just came out really frustrated uh but the the soundtrack is really beautiful for anyone who wants to um seek out the, the the score it's just stunning it's so beautiful that's really
1: um, interesting because it's mm-hmm. one of those films that's been again. It's one of those films that has been hyped to yeah to an irritating level. Yeah. Um, and I, I was really interested to, to hear that you. I ended up not seeing it because you didn't like it, and also because I just wanted you to tell me about it rather than I thought it'd be funnier for you to tell me about <laughs> it than for me to go myself. Well, um, you know
0: what? It's funny is because I I was in kind of discussing Mandy with a bunch of people who were like real like, kind of horror. Fans, and um, it was the funniest kind of realization because one person just came out and it was kind of like a confessional moment where she just said, "I really hated Mandy in the festival." And then slow, and one one person just kind of gingerly was like, "Oh, I thought I was the only one." And then suddenly all these people were like, "I hated it." <laughs> It was oh, weird. God. Yeah, it was as if they were like embarrassed to admit it at first because there has been a lot of positive response to it. Like there has been there are clearly fans of the film, you know? Um
1: Clearly. But is this a new thing where you are <laughs> sold a film in such in such an aggressive way? Yeah. Because I don't I don't know if it's just because I've got more sort of into the industry in the last few years. Yeah. But there have been several films where the sort of the positive response is so aggressive. Yeah, you feel you feel like you're going to get criticized if you say you didn't like it. And I don't know what this this sort of marketing strategy is or who decides which films that happens with. But it's very, very strange. uh, Mandy is another one that that's that has happened with.
0: Yeah, it's as if there's some arbitrary decision made that everyone's going to rally around a certain title. Yeah. And then who you know, you're kind of expected not to deviate from that and you're meant to have like this kind of group response or something. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I never ever really like that always kind of was something that I was dubious of. And I guess and I, and to be honest, I didn't go in wanting to hate it. I was I always on board. When I saw the trailer, I was yeah, I was like, Yes, this is so good. This looks fantastic. Uh-huh. So I, I wanted to like it, you know? Um I just didn't. I, I was bored. Um, so, yeah, that was not a, a great screening for me. Um, then I saw something called Duplicate. Which looked
1: right up my street. It I know. Like it's gonna be
0: amazing. <laughs> I no? know. Me too. When I read the uh, plot for that, I thought, wow, this is, I mean, this is right up my street. Anything to do with like people being, uh, kind of any kind of doubling or people being like clones or anything like that I thought yeah yeah I'm on board yeah give it to me um but I went into the film um and again I was just really disappointed um so duplicate is I don't know how much I can reveal almost because it's there's some spoilers here but basically it 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 ultimately is about and kind of without giving anything away at all um it's ultimately about a kind of i guess near future it's sort of like a it's it has a very kind of black mirror feel to it you know kind of like a near future dystopian feel with technology and stuff and it's ultimately about a relationship between uh twin brothers and i guess all i will say in in terms of like I guess to kind of confirm why I didn't like it is I didn't like the script. I thought the script Uh felt very amateurish. Um, And I thought that the pacing of the dialogue was very annoying because what it was, there there seemed to always be five beats between people speaking. So it's like, I say something and then I count five beats and then you say something. And then we just carry on like that.
1: Oh, that's very awkward. It was
0: very awkward. And it was in moments where it really didn't need for it. There was there was no need for suspense or anything to be drawn out. <laughs> it just really annoyed me. And I couldn't take it seriously for that. Um, some of the lines in the dialogue just seemed almost really bizarre. Um, and there were major plot holes. I mean, <laughs> such a gaping... Plot hole that I I just felt like just kind of saying, "Are you serious right now?" Like in the middle of the screening, I didn't say it.
1: I bet you did say it. uh, (laughs) You you are a you are a famous talker in
0: screening (laughs) I'm a bit of a cinema troll, I have to say. If you had been there, I would have said it to you just loud I know enough
1: it. I just loud imagine. enough for people
0: to hear me say it. so it's probably a good, it was probably a blessing for everyone else that I was there at the screening by myself but um, but yeah, like I just I thought there were some major things that did not add up, and the ending was so kind of saccharine, sycophantic like. It practically gave me, like, a tooth cavity. It was so sweet. It was awful. Mm, okay. <laughs> and I didn't like so that. give that one
1: a miss.
0: Yeah, yeah. I would give that one a miss. I think it's actually called something else in, in America. It's not called Duplicate. I think it's called Jonathan. Ugh, that's even worse. <laughs> I know. <laughs> anyway, again, you know, I don't want to seem, like, um, disrespectful, it's just not it was, just wasn't my ta- to my taste. that's it. Okay. Like it just wasn't to my taste. I don't I don't want to seem like I'm being overly critical. But I just didn't like it at all. I'll move on to things that I did really like. Um, I mean actually one thing that I had probably it was at the very top of my list going into the festival. Uh, it was the one that I was anticipating the most, which was a Paris education. Mm. That's the French film, yeah.
1: Yeah, I really wanted to see that, and I just couldn't. It just clashed with every with everything else every yeah. single day. So I very nearly went to see it, but I ended up not. not I ended up seeing Cam instead. Ah, which that's a talk good. That's later. a good.
0: Yeah, that's a good compromise, actually. Yeah. Um, I I went into Paris Education. Really, uh, this is the film. It's a French drama film directed by Jean-Paul, uh, C. Verac. Um, so. It's basically about a film student uh, who I believe moves from Lyon to Paris uh, to basically go to film school. So it's kind of showing his process. Uh, in French, it's called mes, provin- mes Provincial. So it's obviously like uh, kind of, in a sense, hinting at the relationship between the kind of uh, the rest of the country, you know, the, the rest of the kind of French regions.
1: Uh-huh. And then
0: in relation to Paris, in a sense. Um it is a very, it's a beautifully shot film. I mean, the way that it's photographed is actually, it's breathtaking. I mean, it's so, it, it, it reminded me so much of um, the kind of new wave, the French new wave. Um, very thoughtful. I like the script a lot. I like the concept. Um, I wasn't absolutely crazy about the lead character. Um, but then again, maybe he was meant to be a bit of a kind of am- ambiguous so he, he, I thought I don't think I don't think maybe he was intended to be like a very likable character. I think that was the point of the story in a sense. Uh-huh. Um, he seemed a bit. I thought he he seemed a bit of a kind of um, one dimensional character. But since I've seen the film and I've thought about it again, actually, I think he was depressed. I think his character had depression, and so in that sense, if I read it as a film about depression, it actually works much better for me the way I the, the way I conceptualize it because he he seemed very monotonous like he didn't show a very great range of emotion he smiled once in the whole film and it was so uh, striking when he smiled because he hadn't done it at all throughout that he looked like a completely different person it was like that you know it really took me aback um, so in that in that fact in, in that sense it was very effectual so I That's liked it for that. Yeah, it's worth seeing this one, actually. It's, I'm um, definitely
1: going to see this one. I really wanted to.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think, actually, if we bring back at a later stage our series on mental illness on film, we we should consider this one for depression because it is really interesting in that regard. Um, I think you will like it. I mean, I did, I did like it. I didn't... Um, I walked away with some mixed feelings initially after the screening, but it's one that kind of stays with you and which I love about films, if they kind of linger in your mind, it's a sign that they've been successful, actually, as films. Um, and they've kind of like, you know, stayed with your with your thoughts. They've, they still preoccupy. I think that's a good thing. Like Lars von Trier said that a good film is like a stone in, in your shoe. You know, it kind of bothers you. Yeah,
1: yeah that's true. I think um, I really wanted to do a sort of, once we get our Patreon going, I really wanted to do some minisodes where we talk at, at sort of, in less detail about more films that we would have done in our yeah. next film. Um So we sort of have a, a episode on like five more depression films, five more anxiety yeah. films, because they were even, even when we were choosing them at the time, yeah. we had such a hard time choosing out of our shortlist. So definitely, I'd love, I'd love to do that. We have to get that going.
0: I'd and love we that. Add,
1: we need to uh, make our letterbox lists as well.
0: Yeah, definitely, really definitely. So I'll, I'll move on to talk about the stuff I really loved. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, this is one that you got to see. It's called Schools Out, uh, the, a French film. The, the French title is L'heure de la sortie. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, my God. What a revelation. I absolutely loved it. It's uh, The director is Sébastien Marnier, and mm-hmm. it's basically about a substitute che- teacher. Um who is brought into a school. it seems like a very exclusive uh, you know school, uh, high school. And his teenage students are a very peculiar group of people like they're, they' they get up to some very strange things. and he develops a kind of fascination with what they're up to. He becomes very intrigued by their how they act, how they talk, you know their, 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 their group dynamic. And, um, we kind of, because he comes into this school, um, to substitute another teacher following some, a very shocking incident, we kind of come into the film really following his gaze, you know, we're kind of newcomers Uh like him in this strange, but yet familiar world. And, uh, my God, it is such an amazing, it's shocking. It's a shocking film. It's so weird. I don't even know what I can say about it without revealing some of the best twists I've seen in a film in a long time. Um, But all I will say is that it is very timely. So it's very, it's very much set in the current time Uh and our current preoccupations in terms of like so many problems that we face uh, globally, you know, Uh and just really urgent matters that actually threaten our very existence really and the film is manages to relate to really big cosmic questions, like existential cr- crises, but really very much whittled down on this just kind of small community of people, you know, in a school.
1: Mm-hmm. Sort of a
0: microcosm. Exactly, exactly. And it does so, because of the brilliance of the script, uh, it's absolutely masterful. The screenplay is by Sébastien Marnier and Élise Griffon. The two of them worked together and then he directed. Um, it was produced by Caroline Beaumarchand. So there's a lot of female kind of uh, contributions there at the very heart of the making of the film. And the everything, everything about it is perfect. The direction, the script, it's very funny as well. I was not expecting to laugh at a screening like this. It's hilarious. Um, it's very disturbing as well. And... Just, you know, I love the pace, I love the cinematography, the editing, it's perfect. So I give this one 10 out of 10 and I loved it. I I actually want to see it again because I feel like I I missed out on certain elements of it. Mm -hmm. So huge recommendation there, Schools Out, L'Or de la Sortie. Hopefully it'll get a release here and we can go together. I'd love to review that one with you. That would be
1: lovely. I would love to do that. Yeah. that, That wasn't on my radar at all. I didn't even think about it until you started talking about it yeah so that's
0: really interesting yeah okay. yeah real kind of like stand out one for me in the festival um I saw of, of course I saw Cam which uh you know we have a separate episode where we I mean, I love, you know, I know we both loved Cam. I absolutely adored it. I'm recommending it to everyone.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're going to do, we'll talk about it at length in our episode where we also have an interview with the director and screenwriter. That's
0: right. Uh That's right. So that's one for, you know, watch this space. We will dedicate special time for Cam because it really deserves special attention. It's it's a really unique, beautifully executed film um, and just really superbly made um, and there was like, there was a couple that I, th- am I right in thinking you saw Holiday as well?
1: Yes. I completely, I was, I've just been thinking for the last 10 minutes that I have to talk to you about Yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm dying um, to know what you thought of Holiday.
1: Right, well, so did you see
0: it? I didn't see it. I'm gutted because it Do didn't have, fit we'll, my schedule. We'll watch
1: it together. We'll watch it together. Um, <laughs> I think you'll really like it. It was another one with the director present. Yeah, um, whose name I can't remember. Have you got it in front of you?
0: Let me check. Let me yeah. check. because is this? Am um, I read, is this a Danish film?
1: It is a Danish film. Yeah. Yes. Um, set in um Holland. That's right. Um, and it was it was incredible. I I it was uh, it was easily one of my top three, along wow. with *Cam and the Favorite*. Oh yeah. Um, I think that. It's it, we had a we had a content warning before we watched it, yeah. Um, of sexual violence, okay. and there is uh, an extended scene, um, which caused, um, which caused quite a bit of controversy. Okay. Um, the director introduced the screening and then did a um,
0: QA and, and A. She's called um, Isabella Eklov, right?
1: Yes, that is her name. Thank yeah. you very much. Yeah. Um, she intro- She when she introduced the film, she said, um, "Some of you will." um like this and some of you will hate it and uh when the lights come on i look forward to seeing who's still left
0: wow um
1: <laughs> what an introduction is very, it is very it's a very interesting um introduction because it is how i feel films should be yeah you know there should it there should and that's why i take against that that sort of aggressive marketing of a film in the way that mandy was was marketed the way hereditary was marketed the yeah. way lady bird was marketed yeah because um you, it's it's completely wrong for us all to like the same thing, I especially agree. when it comes to cinema. You know, we all have such different experiences and different things speak to us. Yeah. Um, and the actual film was just mesmerising. Just this, this incredible performance by this lead actress who mm. seems very young and um, this just beautiful aesthetic, which the director later, later said was about, was bit, the aesthetic sort of told the story of being stuck in a trapped in a candy store and dying of malnutrition
0: oh my god
1: um it's this how very, this incredibly it just felt like really saturatedly sort of feminine um oh yeah in this very um in this actually this way that really speaks of a certain kind of type of modern femininity that is very mm. um that is almost sort of infantilizing oh yeah um but uh, at the same time kind of very knowing and is very um and is knowing not just in the sense of sexuality but in the sense of um of aesthetics of how to dress and of how to do your hair and of colors and of how to stand and all of these all of these very specific things um Mm -hmm. it was just really beautiful um and it is about a young woman who is uh in a relationship with a much older, mm-hmm. um, essentially drug baron, I think, is sure. what he's supposed to be, um, and her, her holiday with him and his sort of, uh, in quotes, family, um, so just all of his kind of associates, there's kids there, there's sort of married couples, okay. but everyone has a job, basically, Yeah. and her job is to be a girlfriend, and is to look beautiful, and is to be sexually available. And be just pleasing and fun.
0: So she's sort um, of like a trophy girlfriend.
1: She is. She's a trophy girlfriend. Okay. And she does it in this incredible, incredible way. She's just, she's like relentlessly cheerful. And she's, so she's, and to be relentlessly cheerful, she's relentlessly resilient. I see. Because some awful things happen to her. my God. Um, which she just kind of bounces back from in this, in this very, like very upsetting way. Wow. Um, and there is this there is this uh rape scene in the in the middle. Yeah. And um I don't think it's really uh I don't think it's really a spoiler. I mean they kind of yeah. they told us about it beforehand. Sure, sure. Um, and it is very kind of pivotal. Um and it happens between her and her boyfriend. Yeah. Who is much older like they've got sort of there's almost like a paternalistic relationship there. Okay. Um, you know, he like buys things for her and he gives her advice and and um it was It was very, it was shocking in a way that it grew on me over the course of the days after. Um, And it was very shocking to the rest of the audience. And they sort of followed this very interesting Q&A. And it didn't, I remember thinking it was very, very kind of true to life. And it was this very, I I wasn't offended by it as a shot. Mm -hmm. But it was this very unforgiving, unbroken, unedited shot. Which I didn't, which didn't occur to me at the time, but did occur to me the next day that the actors must have really done it. Okay. Um, and when you see it, you'll understand what I mean. Yeah. Because um, it's not something that I think, it's, it's something that in English, uh, like uh, English actors or American actors would never, would, uh, you, I don't think you could even ask them to do it. Wow, really? Um, yeah. Um, Danish performers, know, though, they're know. hardcore. <laughs> yeah, I did try and sort of Google it, but I didn't, I couldn't find any... Real descriptions of how that scene was managed. But really, I from, from I mean maybe my me- I don't know I'd like to see it again. Maybe my memory of it is less forgiving than I think it is. Okay, but it seems like a. It just seems like one shot. Like they've done the whole thing in one shot. Okay. So I'm not sure. Um oh and God. afterwards and um and afterwards and the sort of the film carries on and becomes something something else. And there are, um, there are parts of it that aren't really to do with. To do with what happens, and there are parts of it that are to do with what happens to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and afterwards, the uh, the director, I think, was quite. I think she was quite nervous, even though she'd said, you know, some of you won't like it, and that's fine. Mm. Um, there was something sort of about her reaction that, it, you know, I think, I think she it was she was anticipating difficult times. Mm-hmm. And the first question was by this woman. who said, "I study sexual violence against women, and I want to know why." you know, why you why you did this and why this character stays with this person. Okay. And she went, just without even missing a beat, she went, well, if, you're, if you study sexual violence, then you'll know why she stays with them. Wow. Um, it was really, it was a very good answer, I thought. And then she actually elaborated more and said that she wanted to show the two, these two images, and one is an image that you would describe to someone. Yeah. Um, you know, this happened you know, during, you know, in these circumstances with a boyfriend in these already, you know, in this already um, sort of questionable circumstance and sort of questionable sexual, sexual dynamic. Sure. And could it really have been that bad? And the image of what happens shows you exactly how bad it can be when all of those things are true. You know, when all of those, when all of those potential excuses or potential sort of victim blamey circumstances are in effect yes um which I thought was really brave and really good um but I don't know it wasn't I also think I mean I just spent 10 minutes talking to you about it but there's so much more to this film than just that one scene and it's 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 incredibly brave for having that one scene in it but the the film in I just can't even describe to you how good this film is oh my
0: gosh I am so excited to see this film.
1: Yeah, it's not—it's not like anything else I've ever seen. The performance and the characters. Wow. And just everything about it—it's all—it's all very interesting.
0: And am I right in thinking this is uh, Isabella Eklov's first film?
1: It is. Yeah. Wow! Wow! Yeah.
0: That's yeah, so really promising.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. That's very promising. I it, think
1: she wrote *Border* or co-wrote *Border*. Yeah. Um, which I didn't see. No, I didn't um, see that one. It didn't really appeal to me, but uh, this is her first directorial, this oh, is her directorial debut.
0: That's fantastic. I really yeah. want to see it. Me it too. just looks I so. Mean, I want you to see it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's one we need to also review as a Minnesota too, because it does seem like, well, really, a film that would uh, fit with a lot of what we're interested in on this podcast, really. Um, yeah, definitely. You know, feminine it, subjectivity, subjectivity, the representation of female sexuality, etc.
1: It really does, and that we've sort of, I think that that you know, female beauty and the the maintenance of female beauty oh, yes. um, is something we're both really interested in. Oh yeah, and yeah, that is is very interesting to talk about in a really non-judgmental way, oh, wow. which um, this film really tackles it in a really non-judgmental way. Wow. Um, it is that you know her job is to look beautiful.
0: Yeah. Um. But in us,
1: you know, in again with social media, with um us all attempting to sort of continue to verify and re-verify our own existence.
0: Yeah. Instagram. Um,
1: <laughs> it's a job. It's a job for all of us.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, we can all relate to that.
1: Yeah, I really think we can. I think I don't know. I just really affected by that film, and not in a. It didn't upset me. Mm. In the way that, you know, in the way that a drama about a family party had me in floods of tears. Wow.
0: Um,
1: it clearly upset a lot of members of the audience. Okay. Um, but there were a lot of people still there when the lights came on. I did feel some people leaving. Yeah. Um, but, oh, and the other thing I saw, which I forgot to mention, which I felt, which a lot of people left during was Lady World
0: oh my god are you serious so you did watch that one in the end I did
1: yeah
0: okay that's so funny that you should mention that because that was on I actually got a ticket for that on for Friday night oh yeah but I was a bit poorly on Friday I was just really overworked last week and I just I really didn't want to go out like at for a 9 p.m screening so I stayed home I ordered pizza and I stayed home so the fact that you're telling me that people walked out actually kind of in a way makes me feel like I did. Maybe I've made the right decision. Tell me about Lady World.
1: Um, well, I mean, it's really I mean, there are also I have to say just a plug for someone else's podcast. Yeah. A lot of these filmmakers that we're talking about today, a couple of them at least, have been recently on the podcast Switchblade Sisters. Oh, yes. Which is a really good podcast where a female filmmaker will talk about a film, a genre film. That has had an effect on them. Okay. And the director of Lady World, whose name I can't, again, can't remember right now. I'll look it up for you. Thank you. I'm under my duvet, so I can't <laughs> no, get anything. No um, uh, so she uh, spoke about um, the bitter tears of Petra von Kant.
0: Ah, yes. Love and that film.
1: So I And so if you hold that film in your head when you watch Lady, um, Lady, Lady World, World, um you do understand what's happening. Ah, you know, okay. What, what that film is. You know, I really think there are a lot of similarities between those two films.
0: Oh, okay. Um, so maybe, know. okay. Director is set. Amanda Kramer.
1: Amanda Kramer, yes. So um, it is a film, I mean, it is very sort of, it's not a, it's not a realist film. Okay. Um, it is a film about a group of girls who get uh, trapped in a house uh, during an earthquake. Yeah, they're sort of almost buried and into the in this house. Yeah. all um, there's like mud, or, like earth on the like sort of climbing up the windows, trapping mm-hmm. them inside. Um, but you're it opens after this event has just occurred, so you don't know any of them or what they're doing there, or who they are or what their relationship is to each other. Okay. Um. And it just it just does the plot does not um it doesn't work in the plot the script screen, the screenplay nothing works in a traditional way. Okay. So everything feels I really wish I had you with me because everything feels very symbolic.
0: Ah, oh, okay. But I was
1: not adept enough to figure out what the symbolism was.
0: So it was more like about- allegorical.
1: It was and I, it, yeah, it was hugely allegorical. Okay. It kind of sometimes. Like, oh, now I regret
0: be, not seeing it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think you would have made a lot. Of it. There's a lot in oh. it. I could a lot of people left just in frustration. Ah. Oh. Um, but I stayed till the end, and I found it very, very interesting. Okay. But I think I'd have to see it again to figure out what it was actually saying, because I have no clue. at all.
0: Oh my all. god! So it's kind. Is it because it kind of when I when I read the synopsis, the reason why I booked the ticket for it is because. It made me think of uh, Luis Bonuel's Exterminating Angel, where there's these people who can't leave uh, a dinner party. Yes, it, uh,
1: it's like
0: that. So, I mean, yeah, so that was my main kind of reason for wanting to go and see it. Um, but yeah, I suppose, I wonder, do you think this is going to get a release? Because now I really, I'm really gutted I've missed this now.
1: I think I think it will be available somewhere. You know, okay, if it's we can not, find if it. We, ends up being a Net, I don't know. I'm not sure that Netflix would take it, but so you know, a, a BFI player, something like uh, that, maybe. Okay. Yeah. I think it will be available. Um, I don't know. It was not. It was not an easy film to watch. Okay. Uh, if you wanted something with a traditional structure and a traditional screenplay. Okay. Um. But I thought it was very interesting. And the dire I mean, it, it did remind me of Petra von Kant a lot, the sort of directorial instructions oh, wow. for everyone to be very dramatic.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: there was a lot of kind of posing of female bodies uh-huh. in that sort of very fastened way of sort of almost constructing a painting or a set piece. Yeah. Um and there was there was clearly some dynamic between these girls, some but everything seemed very much more – so, you know, if there was a character that was a bully, she was much more symbolic of a bully than actually being a bully. You know, like, every, yeah. the, there was a sort of character that was childish. She was, like, overtly childish and in a way that didn't make sense to anyone. Okay. Um, didn't make sense to me at all. Um, and it was sort of a hero – so it's sort almost like
0: very archetypal then.
1: Everyone was kind of archetypal, but not in the same way as people are archetypes in sort of teen movies. Ah, uh, I see. Yeah. Um. So I wouldn't even call it an archetype. I would call it one step beyond an archetype, like just a suggestion of okay. that archetype. Okay. Um, it's, it was too confusing for me to, to be able to talk about it with you if you haven't seen it. I think you should try and see it. it I m- need
0: I wonder to if it's see on, this. I
1: don't think it's on the player, but maybe it is. Not it's sure. not on the
0: LFF trail, uh, player. Okay. Um and I tried to look up any kind of information about release dates in the UK. I think it's just going to be one of those that will I'll just try to find the DVD somewhere.
1: Yeah, I think it might have
0: to be. Yeah, but that's okay. Now actually what you've just said has really made me want to see it because um I quite like those um sort of unconventional narrative uh, structures. It
1: was very unconventional. It sort of it had all the It could have easily been a traditional film of conventional structure. Yeah. But something about the way these girls were talking to each other. And the way these girls were kind of like, there was a lot of monologues. It felt like a play, like Ah, a strange, like, it felt like a, like everyone kind of might, and there is sort of a point where everyone uses makeup to sort of draw these like strange (gasps) kind of masks on on their faces. They almost look like kind of the Greek chorus.
0: Oh my God.
1: Um... So there is, there's definitely, there's so much to this film and I think that you would be the one who enjoyed finding that meaning because you are always the one that does that, you know, <laughs> you're you always the one that knows what a film is really saying or what the, what the hidden story is.
0: Oh, um,
1: nice. So yeah, you need to see it and tell me because I could
0: figure it out. I need to see this now. That's, a, that, that's, a, for me, that's actually a high praise what you've said here about the film because. Um, that's the sort of thing I often look for in films, like these kinds of like, um, yeah, I suppose, metaphorical a- approach to filmmaking, uh-huh. kind of the, the kind of over reliance on symbolism. I, I tend to like that.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, you'll like, I think you'll like uh, it. I think cool. you'll find a lot there because, and I, I was really desperate to find what the story was because yeah? without, without that story, what you're left with is a group of girls not getting on. And I didn't, I wasn't happy to be left with that because I just couldn't believe that a film would not be saying more than I know. Women, women are competitive with each other. Sure. You know, especially someone that has, that's has an all-female cast, It's a female director. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it, it has the tropes of a film about women not liking each
0: other. I see.
1: But it can't possibly, I don't know, I, I, can't, I can't accept that that could be the message of the film. Mm. Because it just, it wouldn't be you know it's it's impossible to me that that would be yeah the point of that film so yeah i'm really desperate for someone to tell me what the point of that film was
0: well i'll be definitely um, looking out for that one yeah so thanks definitely. for the heads up for that and there is one i mean there's two other titles there that from the festival that i i'm gutted i missed um but i'm going to try and find the way there could i i'm going to try and maybe sneak into a screening tomorrow at the ICA it's touch me not uh-huh. Um, that's the one, it's, it's the, a filmmaker and her characters begin a kind of personal research project about intimacy. Um, it's directed by Adina Pin Pint, Pintilli. Uh-huh. And so she's kind of like going on this very interesting journey, kind of exploring her own sexuality with, with other people. Um, so that's an interesting, it's kind of like a, I mean, I think it is a documentary. Um. It, it looks really intriguing and the other one I really want to see is uh which I still haven't seen I'm going to try and see if I can find it on the player is um Bisbee 17 and that's oh yeah that's that's sort of being described as a radically uh combining collaborative documentary um sort of looking in, in a way kind of combining different uh approaches the filmmaking western style the musical elements and it follows uh, members of a close-knit community as they attempt to reckon with their town's dark past it's actually set in 1917 oh um, that's interesting yeah and so yeah it's, it just seems really like an interesting film the main one of the main reasons I want to see it is because my friend Dale is in it. So Dale, oh, if you're listening, it? shout out to you. He lives <laughs> <know>. in Arizona. <laughs> and uh, it's kind of looking at an old, it's the, the, the town itself is an old mining town on the Arizona-Mexico border. And um, it, it sort of follows the, 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 the sort of dark past centers around the deportation of over 1,000 immigrant miners so, wow. it, you know, it sort of touches on the issues that we're facing today, 100 years on, you uh-huh. know, uh, immigration and um, these border controls, you know, despite the fact that, I mean, I'm looking at on the news, it's absolutely shocking to see the people leaving Honduras in their thousands walking desperately with children, you know, disabled people, they desperately need, you know, a sanctuary and, and support. And they're being threatened and told that, you know, their uh, that their country is not going to receive as much um, aid and that they need to go back. And it's just awful. It's just awful. And it's just, it just goes to show that a film like this is actually really, really topical right now. That's
1: really interesting. Yeah. OK, well, that's when, that's when you're going to try and see.
0: That's what I'm going to try and see. And I'll, I'll give you a heads up maybe in the next minute, so just to kind of wrap up my thoughts around that one and touch me not but uh i think this has been a actually pretty good roundup of of our our london film festival experience
1: yeah it's been really interesting to hear what i missed i really want to see a paris education
0: oh yeah Very badly. yeah so, yeah yeah serious. I want to see yeah. Holiday and now Lady World. I really want to see that one.
1: See Lady World. Holiday, I, I just know really you love because it's just a masterpiece. Wow. And, uh, Lady World, yeah, I'm very interested to hear what you have to say about that one.
0: And I want to know what you're going to say about School's Out. I can't wait for oh, you to see school's that. Out.
1: Yeah, that's the other one that I really want to see. Yeah. really want to see that. <laughs> um well i guess we will talk next week um about another film yeah um uh, right now i'm very very sweaty under the duvet that i'm using to muffle my voice so i'm gonna get out
0: yeah um, and if you if you're still listening at this stage we love you thank you for yeah, sticking we do. Thank you. i'm us. really hot and <laughs> it's really nice
1: that someone's here supporting.
0: <laughs> <laughs> lovely to talk to you and we'll touch base again soon with another episode
1: yes i can't
0: wait okay bye, bye.